think this passage was left for me because uh, there's There's a lot of talk about tables and feasts and food. I'm not going to talk about it that much. But um, people who know me well know that I like to cook. I like to bake. I like to get all my recipe books out in one go. Um, This week, I was trying to use up various vegetables from the allotment. We got a huge marrow because we'd been away. So we got a huge, well, courgette stroke marrow. And we'd been away. So I got all my recipe books out. Three stacked on top of each other. Um, Yeah, I love cooking. So I think that's why this was saved for me. So... Um, let's get on and read what it says in Luke 14, and then um, I'll tell you my thoughts and feelings. Okay, so, one Sabbath day, Jesus went to dinner in a home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people watching him closely, closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, Is it permitted in the law law, to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Again, they could not answer. Then Jesus noticed that all who had come to dinner had tried to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table. He gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you is also invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed And you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then, when your host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honoured in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then... He turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your reward. Instead, invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, and the blind. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to be a, to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come to the bank, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, I have bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. The other said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. The master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. After the servant had done that, he reported, had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the lanes 
and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For no one, for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Okay, so both of, there's two parables there. Um, I've been preparing with the NIV and then I go and read from a different version, which is um, my bad. Um, <laughs> In the first section, in the NIV, um, it does actually introduce uh, the bit where he's talking about position on the table by saying it's a parable as well. It didn't in that one, so that's helped me. But there's two parables in there. um, And Jesus is telling them while seated at a table with the Pharisees. Um, In Luke, he does this quite a lot. And actually, in our household, we do this quite a lot. I was trying to think of a few little anecdotes of teaching that we've done around the table. Um, We we love talking around the table, and our kids love having conversations with us. Um, We often seem to end up talking about maths and about science, um, particularly... uh, One of the discussions we've had recently has been about infinity and what happens when you add infinity to infinity or try and take numbers away. Um, So um, lots of discussions around table, Um, often quite encouraging in our household. But actually, when we look at this passage, um, these discussions around these tables with these Pharisees are actually not so encouraging. Um, Here, Jesus is actually not very gentle with them. He uses a parable to kind of say a face value thing to them, but actually has a deeper meaning about them and their lives. Um, so it actually would have been very uncomfortable for him, for them. So um, the Pharisees are uh, religious leaders in, of the time, the Jewish time. Um, to us, we often view them as uh, hypocritical and, and dogmatic. And actually, that's partly because we have some of the punchline. Because we've, we've read the Gospels, and we know about Jesus. And we actually know what Jesus thinks of these Pharisees, don't we? We know that often he, he does challenge what their thinking is and the ways that they behave. Um, so the Pharisees actually were very, very religious people. They had taken the law that Moses gave, the Ten Commandments that Moses had given, and expanded it vastly so as to keep themselves kind of as safe as possible from ever breaking a law. Um, they'd add in lots and lots of other rules and lots of other, lots of other, other rule, uh, laws um, so that they would never, ever put a foot wrong. So they were seen as being very, very religious and uh, that they were very, very good Jews. Um, But but also because of their uh, very strict law keeping, they were actually very puffed up with their pride and uh, uh, over their strict obedience to to the laws. So here we actually see that um, Jesus is kind of talking into that situation. In that first parable, he uh, is addressing their, their puffed-up uh, sense of self-esteem. Um, so here, Jesus comes in with this parable um, after they have been challenging him about one of those rules about the Sabbath and what things you can do and what things you can't do. So he comes in... Um, where they're trying to challenge the rules and he's trying to show them something very different. So let me just read that section of that parable again. When you're invited to a wedding feast, do not sit in the seat of honor. 
What if someone who's more distinguished than you is also invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you'll be embarrassed and you'll have to take the seat left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honoured in front of all the other guests. For those who exalted themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So here, Jesus is saying that those Pharisees, in their puffed-up sense, they want to come and sit in that high place of honour before God in, in his banquet. He's uh, using this table and this banquet. I'll go on later to show a verse about where he... Uh, it, links back to the Old Testament, but he's using this table and this wedding banquet um, as a kind of showing places of honor for people. So they're coming in and he's saying that they're expecting that they're going to have this perfect place in God's sight because of these, all these rules and regulations. But actually God is coming in and he's saying, well, I want you to be humble before God. I want you to realize that these rules don't give you a puffed up sense, but actually they help you to understand your, your distance from God and your need for him and your need to come before him. Um, so I wanted to challenge you. Um, I'm kind of cutting into two sections. I want to challenge you um, to have a, we're going to have a few moments to think about ourselves and where we see ourselves if we were invited to that wedding feast where do we actually think that we would want ourselves to be placed where would you be seated i'm just going to give you some silence to have a think about about that question in a minute so actually god um has a very different view of us he doesn't want us to Uh, view ourselves out of what we're doing. He has a view of us because he created us, because he made us. Um, So I just want to read a bit from Psalm 139, um, which just says about how God views each one of us. And it's not by what we're doing, um, and it's not by uh, our law abidance, but it's because of who he made us to be. And um, once I've read it, there's going to be uh, a little bit, another opportunity to think. We'll have some music playing, and then we'll start to look at the rest of Luke 14. So let me read. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life is recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. So just have music playing. I want you to be thinking... How does God view you? It's not because of pride, um, but it's because of humility and because he made you. So just as the music plays. Okay. 
Thank you. So I'm hoping that now we can move into this next section of uh, Luke 14 um, in a place of humility before God. Um, so I'm looking now from verse 15 onwards, uh, which is titled The Parable of the Great Feast. So that makes me happy. <laughs> okay. So in verse 14, no, verse 15 even, one of the people who is sitting at the table with them uh, exclaims, what a blessing it will be to be an attendant um, at the banquet in the kingdom of God. So when he's saying this, what is he meaning? Um, what does it mean to be an attendant at the banquet of the kingdom of God? And, and what are the Jewish people expecting um, when he says this? Um, so I had a little look um, and a little think, and it led me to one of my favorite um, books of the Bible, which is Isaiah. Um, so I'm just going to turn to Isaiah now and read a little bit about what it says the feast uh, will be like and what, uh, what things God intends to do through it. Um, so... On this mountain, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meats. There, he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears he will re remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and his people. The Lord has spoken. So this person who's having dinner with Jesus, that's what he's got in his head when he's saying that statement, uh, won't I be blessed when I attend God's kingdom, basically. <laughs> so this parable then is going on to address, again, the, that Jewish thought about where they would be. And... Um, I just want to say at this point, when I'm talking about uh, the Jews here, I'm talking about the nation and kind of an overarching view. And obviously, uh, there are Jews who did respond to Jesus' word, and there are still Jews that do that now. But it's just kind of an overarching view that Jesus is using to explain things. Okay. So the first level of this parable is very clear. So this, uh, this master is putting on a ban banquet. He's sent out all his save-the-date cards. We've had a lot of save-the-date cards this year. Three, no, four, four save-the-date cards, four weddings, three gone, one to come. Very exciting. Um, so he sent out all his save-the-date cards, and everybody should know that there is going to be a banquet. So on the day, um, his servants go out. Uh, it's time to come, come to the banquet, and... All of the people who he has invited make excuses um, as why not to come. So on this, this first level, it's um, very obvious what, that Jesus could just be talking plainly about his experience. He's going out and he's talking to people and the people who are responding to the message that he's bringing of God's kingdom are, are not those who were first invited, not the, the Jews who were first invited, um, but actually uh, all sorts of other people. There's a, a really simple way of looking at it, and it's a simple way that we could look at it as well. Um, it goes on to talk about the people who he invites um, being from uh, the narrow streets and from the hedgerows, and we could actually uh, ensure that when we invite people, that we go out into those narrow streets and those hedgerows and not just invite the people who 
we know we're expecting to invite, but, but all sorts of different people. But actually, um, when, we, when we look at it more and look at the context around who he's talking to and the other things that are happening, we actually can understand more about what he's saying, particularly in relation to that passage from Isaiah that I read. So, when, so here we see that um, God has given out this invitation So if we look at the whole of the Bible, there are points where God gives out invitations and makes promises to the Jewish nation that they are going to come and they are going to uh, be part of his kingdom and be part of his family. Um, Particularly, there are points uh, in Abraham's life where he makes those promises that his family, his nation will be uh, will be his will be God's forever. Um, so this invitation has gone out to them. And it has gone out to the descendants of Abraham. So when Jesus is coming and declaring that God's kingdom is near, he is bringing it to those Jewish people, but also bringing it wider than that. When we look at this parable, we see that actually... Um, there are people who have been invited who actually have just found themselves caught up in their business, um, finding themselves so important by the things that they're doing. Um, the different excuses are very clearly around business-related, um, wanting to be social climbers, buying a field, buying more ox. Um, so they're kind of caught up in, in that sort of thing. So uh, Jesus it's very clearly saying that actually God wants his message to go wider than that. You are the people that were invited, but um, my message is going to go out further. You've said no, but Jesus is going out with that message into the hedgerows and into the, uh, into the narrow streets. And in the time, the narrow streets are kind of equivalent to our slums. And going out into the hedgerows is a bit like um, going to people who are vulnerably housed. Um, I kept using the word vagabond when preparing, which is terribly old-fashioned. But um, people who who don't have a home, who are just um, living under trees and bushes. So Jesus is wanting that to go out further and wider. He's wanting what he's declaring in that passage from Isaiah to be uh, declared over all the world. So this party is going to be a full party. It's not going to be an elite party. It's going to be full. It's going to be full of all sorts of people, people who are seen as unworthy, who are seen as unclean. Um, They're going to be at this party uh, that is declared. Um, In Revelation, talks about again, echoes what it said at that start of that passage. But here, God is saying this to all peoples. The angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words that come from God. So this this parable says that that invitation is extended far and wide. Lots of us here actually know and have accepted that invitation, we uh, are wanting to be part of that banqueting feast that God has declared that he is going to have. 
We want to be there. We want to rejoice with him. We want to rejoice over those things that he says in Isaiah 25. He is very clearly given an invitation to us to come. And we've responded and we get to rejoice over these things. So after he talks about wine and meat, um, which most of you know, we're vegetarians. So, you know, (laughs) there will be food. Um, After he talks about wine and meat, he talks, he declares some amazing things. He says that God will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death, which hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and his people. The Lord has spoken. So when we come, when we accept that invitation, we are accepting those things. Actually, God wants to come as a comforter. He wants to wipe away your tears. I don't, I don't think that it, it's... That, there won't be any more tears for us, but he is there to comfort you. When my kids fall over and cry uh, and there's a tear, I wipe it away. God wants to do more than that. He wants to wipe away your tears forever and he wants to remove insults and mockery. So I just want to give you guys a moment just to think about the wonder actually that it is to be invited to his feast, to be invited into his kingdom, to be invited to take part in all of those things that have been declared. So let's just take uh, a moment of silence to, to think and actually to pray and be thankful for those things. So it's really, it's really great and amazing that we uh, can be invited, that we feel secure Um, that through reading this passage, actually, we know that God has invited us. He has come out out of the expected guests and come to invite us to that feast. But actually, what else is amazing is that we can be part of building his kingdom. We can be part of inviting people to this feast. Um, We can invite people to our houses to come and eat, but not only that, we can invite them to be part of his kingdom, to come to the feast that he declares uh, over us. So I actually want um, you to take a few more minutes. I quite like this, asking questions, you being quiet. Um, (laughs) I want to take a few more minutes um, for you guys to have a think about your friends, um, your neighbors, uh, your work colleagues. Actually, God wants to invite them. He wants to do those things for them. You might know people that actually are really suffering from uh, insults and mockery. You might know people who just need God to come uh, and wipe away their tears. You might know people who are suffering under a cloud of gloom. Let's take a minute just to think about those people. Let's take a minute to pray for those people. And I'd love, actually, to hear from you guys um, that you have invited them around your house, but actually you have started to share some of God's heart with them. Okay, another few minutes silence. And um, I know from my own experience when uh, people in different contexts have said things like that and I've thought about somebody, I've then actually wanted to pray more about it. So if there are people who um, want to actually spend a little bit longer praying for your friends or your neighbours, um, and praying about them, hearing about God's kingdom, then actually I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that with myself afterwards. Um, 
The other amazing piece of good news is that if you're here this morning and that you have not responded to this invitation, there is actually an opportunity today. Um, this, is, uh, this is a place where God wants to say, come, come and join me, be part of my kingdom. God is extending this to you today. Um, I personally would love to have an opportunity to pray with you. If you'd like to know more about what that means, this is only a really small portion of what God says to live in his kingdom is like. So if you'd like to know more about what that means, um, myself or Al, who's leading, or um, I'm sure Richard and Kate, you're leaving today, but I'm sure you would love an opportunity to talk um, more with with anybody who would like to know more about about God's kingdom and coming to know him and to live uh, as part of his family. So I'd be more than happy to pray with you. Um, do, if you feel a bit anxious about it, do bring your friend with you. It's absolutely fine. Um, great. Lovely. Well, please take those three different invitations away. Remember that we are invited to be part of that feast. We are invited and uh, we have accepted that invitation. We want to extend that invitation out to those that we know. We want them to be able to live in that, in that wonderful place before God. And that if you, if you want to come now today and respond, uh, it, you are welcome. You are more than welcome. Thank you.